1: Well, hello again, and this is another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. I'm your host Heather Bayer, and delighted to be back with you again. It's a it's a drizzly, misty, rainy day here in Ontario, which is a shame because we've um we've we've got a lot of families in properties this week, and uh, unfortunately they are all dealing with summer weather, which is just not like the summer weather we're expecting this year. But uh, you know, this Saturday, this past Saturday was the best changeover day we have had in probably 10 years. We always expect on a Saturday at 4pm as we've got 130, 140 families going into properties that the phone's going to start ringing dot on four o'clock. And it will be things like, I've just got to the cottage and the canoe seat is damaged or I've just got to the cottage and I can't get in. My, the code that I'm using is is not letting me into the door. Or as we had a couple of weeks ago, we're on our way to the cottage but we haven't got any directions because they'd totally forgotten to take the directions with them and they had no idea where they were going. I I, I don't understand that one. I really don't understand how people can actually load their family in the car, load absolutely everything in the car, head off in the general direction of where they think they're meant to be, and then decide after an hour and a half or so that perhaps they ought to contact somebody and see if they're going in the right direction. And it was good with this family that they were, they were in the right direction. But we've had incidences before, and I think I might have mentioned it on a previous podcast, where people have contacted us or or have, or, or have actually turned up at our office door um, thinking that the office address was the address of the property they were renting, and then finding they've got to go turn around and go another five hours in a different direction. But you know that's just the nature of the uh, that's just the nature of our day-to-day working experience over the summer. So hey, my guest today, my guest today is Eric Muller. And you may or may not have heard of Eric, but you will over the ne- over the course of the next few weeks and months, I am sure. Eric is going to be pretty much a household name in the vacation rental world because Eric is the host of the Airbnb Mastery Summit which is going to be launched on August the 11th and it is a collection of some of the leading lights of the vacation rental business who are who Eric has interviewed and are talking about all sorts of different things about investing in vacation rentals about managing them about the whole Airbnb experience, and I wanted to. I'm 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 on the Airbnb Mastery Summit, which I'm delighted about. And Eric and I did an interview a couple of weeks ago. We recorded that interview where I was talking about really beyond Airbnb. Uh, it was more about how your guests actually feel, what it is because we often talk about. All those other strategies about marketing and about investing and forgetting that the people that are the most important are our guests, so that 's what I wanted to talk about on the summit um, so if you do attend the Airbnb Mastery summit, which is in fact it's not it 's not a face to face session it's that it, they are recorded interviews that will be available online and i 'll tell you at the end of this episode where you can go and get all this information. I wanted to talk to Eric to find out a little bit more about him, uh, where he has come from. He's an investor. Uh, He has renovated, flipped properties and then moved on to renovating properties to create uh, Airbnb-style well, you know, when I say Airbnb style, I'm not sure what I mean by that. He's renovated properties to actually create vacation rentals out of them. I'm sort of falling into this trap of airbnb everything and probably should not be doing that because it's sort of diluting what we know as our vacation rental business or our vacation rental industry. So I have slapped myself on the wrist for that one. It's a great discussion I'm having with Eric about his background in um property investment because it's so interesting how people are still investing able to invest in properties able to buy distressed homes renovate them create vacation rentals out of them and achieve positive cash flows we'll be talking about the sorts of features he feels that should be in these these homes We're going to be talking about regions and areas that may or may not be saturated. You know, how do you know when a market's oversaturated? And then I'm asking him about the key advice he would give to a would-be investor. And finally, we're going to be talking about his businesses. He has a company called Hometel Tonight, and he's going to tell you about that. And then we're going to wrap up with talking about the Airbnb Mastery Summit, what it's all about and what's in store for those tuning in. So, without further ado, let's move on over to the interview with Eric. So, I'm delighted to have with me today Eric Mola, who is hailing from sunny San Diego. I'm assuming it is sunny there.
0: Uh, It's very sunny, very sunny. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Heather.
1: Well, welcome, welcome. It's uh, it's great to talk to you again because we... uh, we have talked just recently when, yeah. when we recorded my session for your Airbnb Mastery Summit, which we are going to talk about a bit later on in this conversation. And I'm looking oh, forward to that. But uh, but really, you know, having, having talked to you the other day, I thought you are such an interesting person <laughs> and I would like to get to know you a little bit more and uh, share, well, have you share what um what you've been doing over the years and your experience and, and how your experience in the past is is sort of um, well brought you to where you are today with the Airbnb Mastery Summit and your um your businesses and the move to San Diego. So having said all that, I'd love to go back right to the very beginning. I did a little bit of research and you started out investing in properties really young. Mm-hmm. Give us the, the sort of potted history of Eric Molar from age 19 to now.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so luckily I was introduced to um, real estate at, at, while I was in high school. So I had this really, really awesome teacher named Frank, who I'm still uh, still in contact with, who uh, gave me my first book that I've ever read outside of any school assignments uh, called rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And, uh, I was 17 when I read that book and completely changed my life. I knew from that moment that I wanted to get into real estate. I've always had an interest in real estate, always had interest in architecture and, and, um, uh, I grew up in a construction family. So I was always working on properties with my father and my uncle, um, ever since I was a little kid. So I had some construction background, uh, long story short, graduated high school uh, with the intention of getting into real estate. And this was during the, um, the good old days when banks were giving out money to pretty much anybody. And uh, it took me a couple of years to really learn, uh, learn the business. I worked for a uh, high-end um, real estate investor in New Jersey for a couple of years out of high school who kind of showed me the ropes of how to finance properties by using other people's money and credit. And then, of course, I had the construction background uh, that uh, my father taught me throughout my, you know, my upbringing. So, uh, so yeah, at, at age uh, 19, I figured out how to leverage my father's credit, uh, which <laughs> looking back wasn't the greatest idea. Um, but figured out how to leverage his credit, get 100% financing through a local bank, and we purchased a, um, my first flip at 19, And I moved into the basement. We renovated the entire home, flipped it, made some money, and uh, we put that right into two vacation rentals. And uh, that was the start of my investment career.
1: I hadn't realized that you'd started out with vacation rentals after the first flip.
0: Yeah, yeah. So right after the first flip, we um, when I say we, I mean me and my father, because I was able to convince him, to uh, continue to leverage his credit and get a little bit more involved with me on, on deals. And uh, at that time, I was mentoring underneath a very large investor who was doing quite a bit of brand new construction vacation rentals it, up and down the shore markets of New Jersey. And um, yeah, so we, we made some money on the flip and we dumped it right into two vacation rentals, uh, high-end condos right on the water. And we started renting it out during the whole VRBO and HomeAway craze. It was way before Airbnb was popular. Mm-hmm. And um, those were the days that I was meeting guests on the side of the highway who were giving me cash you know, to rent out my apartment for, for the week or my condo for the week. Uh, but yeah, so I did that for a couple of years. And then unfortunately, the market crashed uh, in 2008. And uh, you know, everything that we had purchased... Uh, went upside down about fifty fifty percent of its value. We lost that, and then that just goes into a whole another story of how I got how I stayed in real estate and continued to trek along. And years later, developed a uh, a real estate investment and development company uh, that I sold in twenty fifteen.
1: So that was that was New Jersey. That was East Coast. You're now on the West yep. Coast. Uh, I am. What what got you moving right the way across the country and setting up? home in san diego
0: yeah of course so uh in 2015 i was i was getting to a point where my development company was growing very very fast we were buying and developing a lot of residential homes throughout new jersey and uh it just got to a point where i wasn't having fun with the industry anymore i wasn't confident with the markets anymore um and it just i i needed to shake up my life a little bit and uh Uh, So I sold my interest uh, in my company to my partners at the time, and uh, I jumped on the road for a few months just traveling using exclusively Airbnb. And during about a six-month stint of traveling, I was getting involved in conferences and going to courses and meeting other mentors and coaches, stuff like that, which ultimately brought me out to San Diego where I I found such a a major – Uh, entrepreneur community here in Southern California and uh, I kind of put my roots in there uh, staying in different Airbnbs and and that's where that's where the light bulb went off I was like wow I absolutely love traveling I I love these experiences staying with all these hosts and then I met a host that was actually making a ton of money by renting out multiple uh, parts of her house and she that's what she was doing full-time. And uh, the light bulb went off. I'm like, I need to merge the Airbnb world that I absolutely love with my passion and skill set of real estate investing. And uh, that's how I got into Airbnb full-time. And it's been about a year, a little over a year now.
1: So so where are you now in terms of, of, of the properties that you currently have?
0: Yeah, so we have um, – so my company is called Hometel, and we – we pivoted a handful of times. Um, So when we first started doing this, I was focused strictly on leasing properties. So partnering with landlords, we would lease their vacancies, stage them, and then professionally run an Airbnb. Mm -hmm. And we had six properties down in Mexico and about 10 properties here in San Diego. Uh, Just over the last couple of months, I got uh, out of the Mexico deals just because it Logistical was too many too many challenges for what I wanted to do, and we pivoted into the luxury management field of Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So so now what we're doing here in San Diego is focusing on large luxury homes um, and creating a full turnkey management service for for those homeowners. And uh, so we still rent out properties. We're still partnering with with large landlords and renting out you know, their vacancies. Uh, But our main focus, our main um, course of business right now is in the luxury management field.
1: Yeah, interesting, because, you know, it's only a year or two ago that you wouldn't link Mm -hmm. the term Airbnb with luxury property management.
0: Right, (laughs) right.
1: Um, But it all seems to be taking taking a number of different turns at the moment and i think we're all fascinated as to you know how where, where this market is going and we'll probably come back to that a bit later on but i yeah. i just want to uh, to backtrack a bit and you know with all the experience you've had in investment in renovation in construction um you know after after 2008 i think it was if if you were getting into the market then there were foreclosures there were short sales <laughs> there was a lot um, available for, for people to to pick up and start with. But what about now? Is it still possible to buy a distressed home? Are they still out there? Uh, is it possible to do that, renovate it, post it on Airbnb and achieve a positive cash flow?
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. So so it depends on, of course, it depends on what market you're in and depends on exactly what you're looking to do with these investments. Now, I was running a, an investment company and we were doing you know, millions of dollars worth of real estate. And I just, I just did not have the faith in the market that we're gonna continue to rise and rise and rise. And I, I started to experience the same type of feelings and, and started noticing the same type of trends that I noticed in 2007, which led to the crash. So are we gonna experience a crash anytime soon? I have no idea. Some experts say a year, some experts say four years. We don't know. Um, so to answer your question, I one, I got out of the market because I found this trend, this niche of really expanding a business model with a lot of real estate with very little money out of my pocket. Um, but if someone is looking to purchase properties now, I the only advice I would give is be very cautious, be very careful of what you're looking to buy and what your end goal of that investment is. If someone is looking to buy a distressed home, they can still find foreclosures, uh, distressed properties that they can buy, renovate, and if they plan on holding it, and they expect to hold it for, for a few years, and they're okay if the market hiccups over the next 24 months or whatever it is, that they're okay with holding that investment longer, 100% 100% somebody can still make money and still, that's a great business model. And I know plenty of people that are doing it that are still buying, renovating, and then leasing back out mm-hmm. through Airbnb 100%. Um, so yes, yes, I, I think I think it's a great mar- uh, a great business model. My goal is to get to that point again. Once the market hiccups, we're going to start buying up a ton of property. Mm-hmm. Um, but whoever's buying now, I just think they should just be, uh, be okay with holding the property longer than they expected, just in case something happens to the market.
1: So, what about location, Eric? Uh, rural, mm. urban? Where would your preference be?
0: I'm a little biased because I'm here in San Diego, and you know, uh, anything in downtown or up the coast is, you know, it's a home run for vacation rentals, short-term rentals, and for long-term equity. Um, but what we're noticing is that more and more people more and more guests are open to traveling further outside of the main cities and further outside of the main attractions to have a different experience. Um, so I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, if you're in the middle of nowhere, quote unquote, or if you're in the middle of a city, the more unique you create the property, the more unique of an experience that you offer to your guests, people will travel to get there. Um, and this goes back to a conversation that you and I had, is that it doesn't matter where you're at in the business, if you niche down to that one focus, make that your niche, like how I'm making luxury Airbnb my niche, um, it'll work. And it'll, it'll work in most most cities and communities right now.
1: I find it interesting now, having I've been in the business for 25 years, and... Mm. Um, way back, there were just certain areas that that were the hubs sure. of vacation rental uh, in those early days. But now you can create a market, really, oh, yeah. just about anywhere. Uh, I had a, a question from somebody. It was about a year ago now. And he said, "I have I have a property on a lake in Tennessee, um, but there's only two other properties on the lake that rent out. Do you think I've got any chance?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: probably you're just going to look right. at it you know it doesn't ha- you don't have to be saturated with vacation rentals to to realize that you're onto a winner uh you can create 100%. yeah you just create that winning situation for yourself through through the marketing but i'm sure you'd agree that there is work involved
0: Oh, uh, there's always work involved and uh yeah, you have to be creative. You you have to you have to understand that this is such a growing trend and niche right now in short-term rentals that, you know, every single day there's going to be more and more listings coming on board. So you have to be creative, you have to be aggressive, and you have to work mm-hmm. to build your brand. You know, and it's interesting too cuz like talking about this topic and niching down, I have a friend in South Carolina who him and his family own a very large farm in South Carolina, away from all the major cities. Um, and they decided to build a very, very unique treehouse in their farm. And, I mean, this thing is crazy. There's, you know, multiple different levels, and there's an outhouse, and the place is amazing. Uh, they've created a niche around this treehouse where they have it booked out on Airbnb for over a year and a half, so you can't get another booking for, for another year and a half in that property. And now it's so successful that they're building tree houses all throughout South and North Carolina. They're popping up everywhere, and they're, you would never think that people would want to travel two hours into South Carolina away from the main cities to, to stay in a tree, but it's working. Um, and he was, you know, not only did he have a niche, but he also niched down on his marketing and his branding and everything mm-hmm. else that came along with it. So pretty much anything is possible nowadays in short-term rentals.
1: Well, I think if anybody's you know, looking at this and, and does not want to invest in property, then that idea of you know, treehouse, yurt, uh, yep. even Airstream, it, it, mm-hmm. it could be anything that's going to accommodate people appears to, um, to be marketable.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Interesting. So you know, Airbnb was was started out as as an as an urban model, and now I mean, I know up here in Ontario, where we are up here in the boonies of Ontario, and Airbnb are reaching its tentacles out to us, and I, you know, Airbnb has become the verb in in our communities yep. up here, whereas you know, two or three years ago, nobody had heard of it. So. If somebody is wanting to make inroads into the rural vacation market, where perhaps there aren't many uh, vacation rentals around, how would you suggest the uh, an investor would evaluate that market? What do they need to take into account? Ooh. What do they need to look at?
0: Yeah, so that's, I, I always say, you know, regardless if you're leasing a property, buying it, whatever it is, you're... You obviously start with the competition, and it regardless if you have one or two people that that are in your market that are competitors quote unquote competitors to your listing or you have a hundred there's data out there and the more and more this niche grows, the more the ecosystem around Airbnb and short term rentals grow so i i'm a every single real estate investor is a data driven decision maker um, and I always base everything off of the data I can get my hands on. So regardless if it's in the middle of the city or in the middle of Tennessee uh, on a lake somewhere, there's data out there. Um, so I would first start by studying everything that's happening in that area, and it's not just the Airbnb. I mean, there's you know probably twenty five major listing sites out there that you can find data on, plus all the other you know pop up um, mom and pop. Uh, listing sites, things like that, that you can get your data from. So I would start there. I would literally start to see what's happening in the last, you know, 12 months in that area as far as vacation rentals, what their daily rates are, what their occupancy is. Um, in most cities, most most states, you can get that that information from airDNA.co. Uh, you can buy reports and get all that information. Um, but I would first start to see what's happening there. And then, Um, depending on what type of properties you're looking to buy, really narrowing down the the source of the property that you want to purchase and how you're going to buy it. And what I mean by that is, do you want to buy a distressed property that you're going to renovate or do you want to buy a turnkey property that then you could just implement your short-term rental um, business into that home? But I would definitely start with the data. Don't make any decisions. Don't assume that we're going to be looking at these types of numbers, and regardless of how minimal the competition might be in that area, there's always data that you can project how your investment is going to going to look like.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you men- mentioned um, Air DNA. Um, mm-hmm. I have a sort of a little bit of a history going back with Scott Shatford, which um, in fact he, Scott and I talked on a on a previous podcast quite a while a while ago. It all has to do with a golden retriever, so. Anybody's interested in that um,
0: we have, we, <laughs> well, we have, now
1: I am We have a real connection with a golden retriever, so uh,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> check that one out. It's, it's actually one of those sort of serendipity moments. but uh, but yes I'll, I'll put the I'll put a, a link to air DNA in the um, in the show notes but if anybody's interested because I, I think the the, the data that, that they supply is just um, is just second to none when you're looking at urban, mm-hmm. urban markets. But I think, yeah, when you get get into the rural areas, you've got to do a lot of your own legwork. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: And and that includes perhaps, and I'm not sure what you think about this, is, um, is, is going and visiting the tourist office, finding out what the tourism department in the area is doing. Are they actively marketing? Are they actively looking to bring people in? I mean, I know where I am in Ontario, we are seeing so much advertising at the moment here for Michigan, for New York State, for Florida, you know those the tourism departments of those three states are really pushing out beyond their boundaries, and that's that's yes, definitely sir. something to look at. You know, if um, if Michigan, if um, uh, yeah, Michigan tourism are are really pushing a lot of TV advertising, and I mean a lot, they must have spent millions on this in advertising throughout Ontario. Then, then maybe you know, there's there's, there's something too. Areas of Michigan, if you hadn't thought about that there's you know some amazing areas around the lakes in michigan so so that's definitely you know so some when I've been looking at properties in and, and, and areas to invest in um the tourism departments are you know one of my first ports of call too so when when you're saying that you're you look at look at the competition obviously look at what's uh, what's attracting people what what sort of features do you think should be in a home are there common features to every every property do you think that are are really really important or you know am i, am I being too too generalized here and and each property has its sort of niche of features
0: mhm yeah so i think it's a it's a little bit of both um, so i think i think where guests are at now is that they expect certain features in every home they in most home i should say depending on the experience and and what they're going to the properties for but just using my homes for example here in san diego my guests you know they expect an easy check-in they expect you know technology to be introduced to the home so for every home we go above and beyond with the technology of Smart locks you know, for easy check-in, um, digital welcome packets so they understand how to use the house and, and really get adjusted very, very quickly um, you know, to small features like Bluetooth speakers in every single home. You know? So we want to kind of give them everything that they need to, so they can adapt and feel at home in the property very, very quickly now i'm a, also on top of that I'm a very big believer of customizing every single home um, as a an experience within itself so every single property I have is uniquely designed and has different types of features My shore properties my properties that are in the beach towns here in San Diego you know they they each have um, surfboards and skateboards and and beach equipment things like that to where guests can literally just grab it and go and they absolutely love that. They love the fact like oh I didn't I wasn't even thinking about surfing but here's a surfboard I'm going to go try it, you know. Um so we go a little bit above and beyond and we also tie in the local elements to those units as well. So if it's in more of a younger you know, younger area will tailor to those, and I think you and I have had this conversation a couple of times.
1: <laughs> I was, I was um, just thinking exactly the same thing. You know, this is going into the realms yeah. of, of, of personas, which is what we were we were talking about last week.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and it's uh, I, they're just so important. I, I think it's so important to customize each little each unit to um, to their local. Um, environment, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then focus on the features that, that could go above and beyond to make an experience for the guests. Because guests remember all the small things. You know, I have one property uh, in Escondido. It's a, it's a luxury custom-designed home. And the owners, I'm, I'm the manager there, the owners are art collectors. from. They collect art from all around the world. And Every little thing is custom, like all the way down to the guest book where someone will write their experience of the home. The book was handmade in India and it was sewn in with little beads and all this stuff. And you could just feel that it. You, the owners thought of that as an experience for the guests. And the guests absolutely love it. So I think there should be standards to wrap all this up. I think there should be standards with certain amenities like Easy check in and you know, above and beyond with with making them feel at home but also going that extra step to customize it based off of the local environment.
1: Yeah, so that, so there's a consistency across all the properties that that you mm-hmm. you own, you manage, and and that's what you're suggesting that people do is have this this, this consistency really of, of high standards to meet those those newer guest expectations.
0: Right. Right, hundred percent.
1: How do you know if a market's oversaturated? I'm sort of flipping back to this investment now. How you know when when you're looking at a market? How do you know if it's done?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how to answer that yet because I haven't really seen it. I mean, I've seen. I'm in a very, very competitive market here in San Diego. Uh, you have some of the biggest national, um, operators, Airbnb operators here in San Diego, everyone here is renting out their extra rooms or their investment property or, you know, their boats. I mean, it's everywhere, but I have not, I have not felt the, um, effects of oversaturation. And I think here in San Diego, I could be wrong with these numbers, but I'm pretty sure here in San Diego, they doubled the amount of short-term rentals. Airbnb doubled the amount of listings in a 12-month period um, over the last 12 months here in San Diego. So, and I haven't, effect, I haven't felt that effect yet. And maybe it's because of my unique marketing. Maybe it's because each home is custom designed and is an experience within itself uh, that I haven't experienced that yet. But I think that's, that's going to be a challenge that we're going to see very, very soon over the next 12 to 18 months in most major cities. So, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure how to answer that question yet.
1: It, it's just something that came to mind. Somebody said to me the other day about um, Florida and Orlando. You know, isn't it saturated? Isn't Florida now oversaturated with however many 25,000 villas for rent
0: Right. Um, right. in,
1: in a, a, a very small area? basically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, mm-hmm. And then an answer came from somebody else. Well, no, because I've just bought one. And w- within, within a few weeks, I've got 80% occupancy for the year. I guess it comes back to, you know, it comes back to location because there will never be a shortage of visitors to Orlando.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely location, but also, and it's like any other market, any other business out there when there is oversaturation or a lot of competition it forces you to be unique and think outside the box, and yeah. that's exactly what the short-term rental industry needs right now. It, and I mean, you've you've probably seen this over the last 25 years, but especially over the last you know 12 to 18 months. When I first got into this industry, 100% uh, focused on Airbnb. The main aspect was to get urban one to two-bedroom apartments or condos right in the center city, and that's those were renting like crazy. But now they're expanding into these luxury, large, large homes. Um, So and I think that was due to oversaturation and just the market really growing. So I'm not afraid of oversaturation. I think I think it'll become an issue when when you have, you know, every single neighbor on the block is renting out their house or their room or something on Airbnb and short term rentals. But I also think before we get to that that point, most cities and and governments will put some type of regulation into place to kind of restrict over over saturation in most markets. But I just don't think we're there yet. I think if you're unique and you have unique marketing and you create a true experience for guests, you're gonna stand out and you'll have it you'll have your units booked.
1: Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned regulations because uh that's perhaps something to consider for anybody who's investing anywhere. Mm-hmm. Is to is to before you put your money down, make absolutely sure you know what the regulations and legislation is, uh, yep. as it affects uh, short term rentals um, in in that area. Because uh, and and not just what is already in place, but what might be pending.
0: Right. Right. And that's that's such a good point. And this is something I tell my consulting clients all the time is like if you're if you're really want to buy a home for short term rentals, you don't buy the home for with projections of short term rentals. You buy the home to make sure that it works in a traditional setting or if you're looking to buy a single family home or a six unit building, you buy that building based off of market rate rents. Because worst case scenario, if a city comes in and bans short term rentals or prevents any um, anybody with a second home to rent out full, you know, hundred percent on short term rentals, that business and that investment is going to go down the drain. But if you're buying, looked at this, said, okay, worst case scenario, I have a family that moves in here and pays me market rate rent, I can still make X amount of return. Mm-hmm. However, if I put my short-term rental business in this, it's going to 10x my cap rate, 10x my ROI. That's the way I prefer to purchase right now. Unless you're buying in a city or a state like Arizona that completely supports it, uh, and it be, you know it's a it's a easier approach. But here in San Diego. We don't know what's happening with short-term rentals. They could ban it. They mm-hmm. can re- over-regulate it. We're not sure. But if I go out and buy a million-dollar home to rent out on Airbnb 100% and that law comes into place and prevents me from doing that, now I have this property that long-term might not make sense for me to hold, and now you know, I'm out of luck.
1: Yeah, you make, you make a really good point there. Uh, because you never know when the laws are going to change. I mean, I, right. I remember looking at property in Sedona seven or eight years ago. At some point, it had changed from being freely ev- freely open to rental to restricting it to 30 days or, or more. And now mm. the law has, you know, it's flip-flopped again. So now, as you say, Arizona's quite open and encourages it. And right. S- Sedona fell back into that. So I'm, I'm back looking in Sedona again.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Great area. <laughs> oh, I love
1: it. It is it is a beautiful area. Um, yeah. But you never know when that's going to go back the other way again. So I like your approach: is always to to have it in mind that what would happen if the if if regulations are are put into force and you have to to change your model at some point.
0: Yep. Yep. And you ha- you have to be a smart investor. You know, smart investors they they buy for the long term approach. They they look at a piece of property and say, okay, long term, I can rent it out for X amount of dollars per month to a family. And with equity being added on top of that over the next five, 10 years, I can make a X ROI on my investment. Mm-hmm. However, we have this investment tool, this extra tool that we have in our toolbox called short term rentals that we can utilize and maximize the usage of a property. So let's add that in there. And hopefully, you know, people that are buying in cities don't, won't run into these challenges. But if they do and they have to pull the short-term rentals out, they know that it's still a sound investment for them and their business and their family to make sure they're not going to go belly up. Um, yeah, and a perfect example is when I first got into vacation rentals down, in, down in, uh, in New Jersey. I bought two condos at half a million dollars each based off of – the vacation rental income. And once the market crashed, not only did I lose equity because of the market, but two, our our guest, the occupancy was pretty much cut in half because of the market condition. And uh, I couldn't rent it out. I, I rented it out to a family and I was still paying about $2,000 a month for my out of pocket for mm-hmm. my uh, my mortgage. So I took the other approach I wouldn't have been in that in that situation
1: yeah good good advice so um this is something that I've been through a couple of times over the past couple of years and that's the sale of a vacation home because that's it's challenging we sort of live in this no man's land between residential and a commercial entity you know a a Mm. residential realtor is not going to look at a short-term vacation rental and and see that income as something to factor in to yep. the um to to the the price they're going to put on it. On the other hand, a commercial realtor is not likely to look at it because it it doesn't it doesn't meet all those standards of of a sort of residential rental in a commercial environment. Mm-hmm. So what and and I've I I went through through this on th- three separate occasions in selling properties and did all of them you know, privately. Didn't involve realtors and think i lucked out all three times um so what what should owners consider when they're planning when, when cuz i think they everybody has to plan the exit strategy right but what do they need to consider when they're looking at when, when they're trying to tie in short-term rental into that exit strategy
0: sure yeah and i really think it comes down to such a broad question because it comes down to the market comes down to the asset type and who is actually buying that area here in San Diego, we won't have a problem selling a property mm-hmm. a vacation rental property is most you know most of the beach areas here ninety percent of the prop- well i shouldn't say ninety percent a large amount of the homes are second home or vacation homes for people, so that's standard but if you go into you know like We'll use Tennessee again. If, we, if you go into the, the suburbs of Tennessee and someone is running a successful Airbnb property or vacation rental home there, and they want to, if they're asking for a little bit of a premium because of the income that comes in, it all comes down to the messaging and the marketing. You know, So again, when you're looking to buy the home, you're expecting worst case scenario, I'm going to rent it out long term. You should do the same thing when you go to sell the property is whenever I sold my vacation rental homes or my investment homes, the marketing was world-class. We broke down our two avatars that we were expecting to buy this house. It's either a family with kids that are going to come in and buy the home because it's a beautiful home and it's turnkey and all of that other good stuff that comes along with it. So we're going to create marketing and target those people based off of that. However, we're also going to target the investment community with our you know, T12 uh, books and showing the type of money that we're, we're bringing in, the type of expenses, all of that. And we, I typically hire one agent for my properties, but maybe some areas as well, I've done this before, is hire two agents to promote this property to two different sets of avatars, two separate types of buyers. But I think it really just come, come down with the expectation that, you know, worst case scenario, we're going to sell it to uh, a homeowner uh, for maybe a discounted rate or we're going to really wait and, and, and negotiate with the investors out there that are looking for this. But it's going to take a little bit more creativity and marketing and more work to push it out there to really explain what you have created in that home. That opens up some other challenges that you've mentioned is that a lot of agents won't accept a lot of agents and banks won't accept short term rental income as an actual income to a property, not yet at least I see that changing um, but that runs into an issue because that really narrows down the type of investor that you're trying to try to find for that property because they most likely won't be able to consider that income as an actual income to the property. Mm-hmm. Did that answer your question?
1: Yes, 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 it uh, does okay. to a, to a degree. I, i what, what I got really out of, of that answer was, was the three terms, creativity, marketing, and work. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I recall in, in selling my properties, there was a, a, a large amount of each that had to go in yes. <laughs> to, to getting the right price. Um, right. Because, uh, because no realtors around here were interested in, uh, in even considering the short-term rental income. So, so thanks, thanks for that. Hey, so tell us about a couple of things. I want to talk um, briefly about Hometel tonight and and what it is mm-hmm. and what you do, and then I want to ask you about the Airbnb Mastery Summit.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, so um, so my company Hometel, uh The website is Hometel tonight. Um, like I, like I said earlier, we're right now focused on. Uh, the luxury management side of Airbnb. I see a major, major movement for more larger experiences, more of a experience for guests to bring family and friends to a very unique home. So we're focused on that here in San Diego, um, securing more and more high-end management clients and properties. We also work very closely with the investor community here in San Diego. So we partner and work with different landlords and, and building owners and uh, real estate owners to where we lease their vacancies uh, for one to two years. Uh, we'll go in, pay them market rate rents. Uh, they're a hundred percent aware of what we're doing and what our company offers. We paint the units, professionally stage them. And then we run uh, a professional Airbnb short term rental business out of those homes. Um, so that's our focus right now. And we're, I see a lot of a lot of opportunity to grow that that business and that niche, not just in San Diego but throughout California and multiple states uh, over the next 12 months, um, and then with the whole idea, the whole vision is to wait for the market to correct a little bit, hopefully, uh, you know, sooner than later. Uh, and we're going to actually start going out there. Hometel will actually start purchasing real estate on a large scale for the purpose of short-term rentals, um, so anything from residential to apartment buildings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, we, I, we have a very large vision for this over the next five years, and we plan on developing it to a, a national brand and, and really uh, making our mark on the short-term rental world.
1: What about the Airbnb Mastery Summit?
0: Yes yes, yes, yes so the so the Airbnb Mastery Summit is an uh, online event that I'm hosting personally um, where I've interviewed twenty of the top experts, uh, including yourself um, from the Airbnb short term rental space, also within the the real estate investing space as well. so I've kind of merged my two worlds of Airbnb short term rentals with real estate investing. And my objective behind this whole thing was to go out, speak to the world experts on what is happening with the short-term rental home share world, and see how real estate investors are adapting this as a new investment model. And uh, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we've interviewed some of the, the top experts that are, you know, doing this on such a large scale that it's just blowing my mind. Um, but also, we've interviewed some experts that are, you know huge in their local markets and really developing out a ecosystem around Airbnb and short-term rentals. So, uh, but yeah, everybody could, uh, uh, the event is free. So I was able to get all the speakers to agree to speak for free and August 11th to the 13th, uh, people, your listeners can jump on, AirbnbMasterySummit.com uh, Airbnb and listen and connect with all of these speakers for free during those three dates.
1: Could you could you give me a couple of examples of who you have speaking?
0: Yeah, of course. So we have, um, of course, yourself uh, talking about vacation rental marketing. Um, and then on the, the Airbnb side, we have the CEO of AirDNA, Scott Chatford. Um, you know, we have Sean Conway from Pillow Homes, one of the largest uh, and fastest growing property management companies in the country right now. Uh, we have... Sam Merrill, he's a very, very large uh, real estate investor. He's the CEO of um, Fortune Builders. He was a uh, um, the star of Flip This House on A&E. Uh, so he buys real estate all throughout the country. So I brought him on to talk about how to actually buy homes in today's market, how to finance them, all of that, all the way to large landlords like David Lindahl, who owns 10,000 rental units. Um, and it goes further down from there. A mutual friend of ours, Jasper Rivers, uh, Alex Nigg, uh, Jay Massey, Andrew McConnell. So it just goes on and on. Um, but yeah, we have over 20, 22 speakers right now.
1: Yes, it does read a little like a who's who of, of vacation rental industry expertise.
0: Yeah, yep. We, uh, my team and I, we went out there and we tried uh, connecting with the top players in this industry, and um, I feel we got most of them to commit to doing these interviews and over the the last few days I, i've interviewed everybody and it's uh, the knowledge that they 're bringing to this summit is unbelievable and the The thing that I love about the short term rental movement right now is that it 's such a wide open industry that it's still in the still in the growing phases that even all of these experts that I brought on they're opening up and actually giving real knowledge and experience from them actually building their businesses mm-hmm. today. Like these are people that are actually doing it, so they didn't they didn't hold back at all. the The knowledge is, <laughs> the content is just unbelievable. I can't wait for it to go live.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to, uh, to 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 listening to it all as well. So, so just recap again. What what are the dates?
0: Sure, it's uh, August 11th. Through the thirteenth, so it's coming up, and uh, people can get a free ticket at airbnbmasterysummit.com. dot
1: And and what will happen after the thirteenth if somebody's not able to listen over those two days?
0: Yeah, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. So during those uh, those three days, the event is live and free for everybody. If uh, they miss the event, or if somebody wants to literally buy all of the content. We do offer an uh, all-access pass that people can purchase. I think right now we're selling it for $197, uh, but after the event, that's going to be... Um, um, the price is being shot up to 497 and that's for life. People can go in there, they can buy, da- buy and download all the audios, all the videos, and then we have bonuses upwards of $2,000 from different speakers and myself that thrown into the all-access pass. So, um, if anybody misses it or loves it so much that they want to keep everything themselves, they do have the ability to buy that uh, that all-access pass.
1: Okay, and that, that's at Airbnb Mastery dot com.
0: Airbnb mastery summit. summit. Airbnb
1: mastery summit dot com. Okay, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, uh, along awesome. along Appreciate with everything that. else we've talked about today. Um, Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure to to talk with you again, and <laughs> and I will be uh, I'll, I'll be looking forward to the mass, Airbnb Mastery Summit on the 11th to 13th of August, and I hope we get to uh, to meet face to face at some point in the near future.
0: Of course, well, thank you for having me, Heather. That was great. Appreciate been, it.
1: Yep, great. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Eric, for joining me for that really enlightening discussion. I'm seeing so much more interest in investment in vacation rentals, and I don't think this is something that's going to quickly go away. So, uh, so watch this space. Definitely take a look at the Airbnb Mastery Summit. Register. If you can't listen to every one of the interviews, you know, certainly go along and select the ones that, that you think are going to interest you the most. And uh, and take some time out on on the 11th, 12th, or 13th of August to put a headset on, sit back, and listen to some vacation rental expertise. I'm sure, yeah, you know, I certainly know I'm I'm going to be doing that. So that's it for uh, another episode. It's been an absolute pleasure being with you, and uh, of course, I will be with you again next week.
0: This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.